Al Jazeera podcast. Unrest in Ethiopia's Amhara region, where Faro rebels who fought with government troops in Tigray two years ago are now battling the army. What's driving the conflict, and how's the government addressing the region's long-simmering grievances? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. This is the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests then from Jig Jigger uh, in Ethiopia. We're joined by Kamal Hashi Mahmoud, who's a member of the Ethiopian Parliament. From New York, we're joined by Johannes Waldemariam, an academic an Ethiopia researcher specializing in the Horn of Africa. And from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Wadros Tiafe, chairman and founding member of the Amhara Association of America. Gentlemen, welcome to uh, all of you. Let's start with you, to Wadros. Uh, many people outside of Ethiopia may have interpreted uh, Fano fighting alongside the National Army in Tigray as support for Prime Minister Abi Ahmed uh, and his policies. Uh, was that not the case? No, that is not the case. Uh, this is a really a complete misunderstanding and naivety of um, the Western observers of what's happening in Ethiopia. The, uh, the Amhara people, the Fanos and the Amhara Regional Special Forces, when they were fighting in the war in northern Ethiopia, they were fighting to defend themselves because they were invaded by the Tigray People's Liber Liberation Front on multiple occasions. So the fight in the war in northern Ethiopia by the Amhara people was mistaken as a support of, uh, of Abiy Ahmed, when in actuality, what it was really was a defense, a self-defense against the invasion for invading forces of Tigray People's Liberation Front. But it's really critically important to give your audience some context. What we are witnessing right now in the Amhara region is a buildup of decades-long political marginalization, subjugation, and genocide being committed against the Amhara people by successive regimes in Ethiopia, starting out with the Derg regime, followed by the Tigray People's Liberation Front, and now by Abiy Ahmed Ali and his Oromo Prosperity Party. Since Abiy came to power, the atrocities against Amaras have escalated, in which thousands of Amaras have been massacred in his home region of Oromia, and over a million Amaras have been ethnically cleansed from that region, as admitted by his government. And now the same policy of targeting Amaras in Oromia has been implemented in Addis Ababa and Amhara region, where thousands of homes in Addis Ababa of non-Oromos, majority Amaras, have been destroyed, and over 20 mosques also destroyed, leaving hundreds of thousands of Amaras and non-Oromos to be homeless, or many of them ethnically cleansed from Addis Ababa. Since, um, since Abiy Ahmed came to power, this is what people have been witnessing. The current fighting, the current fighting between Abiy security forces and the Amhara people started when Abiy Ahmed unilaterally, unconstitutionally, and without consultation with the Amhara people, sent his security forces to disarm and dissolve the Amhara region special forces, special forces and started attacking the Fanos, while simultaneously arresting dozens of generals politicians, uh, human rights activists, and the youth. In the past week, over 4,000 Amaras in Addis Ababa have been arrested and placed in concentration camps. This is a war started by Abiy Ahmed Ali against the Amhara people, and the Amhara people are just simply fighting for survival. As, as Abiy's said, military is using yeah. heavy artillery. Just to quickly, it's important to know that. Yes. yes. Us, as we said at the beginning of the program, though, uh, the Prime Minister ordered uh, all paramilitary forces uh, across uh, the 11 regions of the country to be integrated into the police or the National Army. You're saying that Amhara has been singled out for particularly brutal treatment here. Of course, uh, and this has been the case for um, uh, since he came into power. The Amhara people have been uh, protesting 
and um, showing the discontent to Abiy Ahmed before the war in northern Ethiopia, during the war in northern Ethiopia, and after the war in northern Ethiopia. The, as I said, this was the Amara people have been primarily targeted by the Abiy regime since he came to power. That's why you are seeing right now the fight by the Amhara people against the uh, Abiy and his security forces. Right now, Abiy's military is using artillery, tanks, and drones, and firing indiscriminately at cities, killing dozens of people. There are women being raped and heritage sites are being destroyed. And what we're asking is for the international community to condemn this genocidal violence, uh, targeting an entire ethnic group, and to hold Abby and his government accountable. Johannes, uh, in, in New York, um, Ethiopia, as we know, is, is a deeply ethnicized country. Uh, to what extent has, has Abiy Ahmed made tensions worse? In the early days of his tenure, uh, his words, including his inaugural address in which he acknowledged past wrongs and his commitment to addressing identity and border concerns, were welcomed by people in Amhara. Um, so why are people so dissatisfied with his leadership? What, what's gone wrong? Let me address the initial uh, speaker a little bit because he uh, alludes to uh, um, the Amhara being marginalized historically. One can take the long view and the short view in this issue and uh, the, the long view uh, actually uh, is the direct opposite of uh, what the speaker was saying. The Amhara were the privileged people in Ethiopia, and the Oromo people, although they are the majority, have been marginalized and uh, oppressed, uh, uh, even unable to uh, uh, speak and develop their language. Uh, uh, so it's a complete historical revisionism to present the Amhara as the victims. In the short run, uh, I agree with some of the things he mentioned about uh, the displacement of the Amhara, but this has also historical reasons, because a lot of these people were uh, settled in the Oromia region during the Mengistu regime as part of his war strategy. And, so, and there were people there already, and so the people began to resent them from the very beginning because they were coming to their land. So uh, this is a, a little bit of a, a, a twist in the historical, uh, you know, facts that existed. And then in terms of Abi Ahmed, Abi Ahmed has made things much worse. He is uh, uh, very much of an adventurer. The war he waged against the Tigrayan people, uh, the genocide, really, that he committed against the uh, Tigrayan people is something uh, that has not been witnessed since Rwanda in Africa. And uh, so within five years, he has polarized the country to the point where it's disintegrating. To begin with, Ethiopia is really uh, was sustained by Western budgetary aid and political and military support. It's a very weak state to begin with. You know, I know in U.S. foreign policy, it's described as the anchor of the Horn of Africa. The more accurate description of Ethiopia is that it's a destabilizing force in the Horn of Africa. It has been that ever since the end of World War II. And uh, uh, the beginning of Ethiopia itself is, you know, most people don't realize this, but uh, it was, uh, I mean, Menelik, the emperor, the, uh, of the founder of modern Ethiopia, was conquering southern Ethiopia, the Oromo region, and essentially colonizing along with, there wasn't just a European colonialism in Africa. There was an African against African colonialism. And Menelik was positioned historically 
in a ideal situation where he can get weapons from the Europeans by manipulating this power or that power and using the mythology that is the Orientalist mythology that deeply exists in the Western world, he was able to acquire weapons and conquer the southern lands. And so what we're seeing here is something that has been building up for over 100 years. And finally, things are coming to a boil, and uh, we're witnessing now, uh, I mean, a, a country on the verge of disintegration, is my view. Kamal Hashi Mahmoud, what, what do you make of, of, of what you've heard from our, from our two guests there? Is, is the country on the verge of disintegration? I think the country is on the verge of the other way. Uh, the country is on the verge of uh, uh, a unity which, uh, which has never been seen. But I see uh, difference going on. I see uh, instabilities uh, happening, and maybe people having their own uh, uh, complaints. But let's be honest now. Uh, the war in the, with the Tigray region now has ended. There is a stability. We're in a good uh, situation. And now uh, the stability uh, needed in the Amhara region uh, hopefully, uh, through this state of emergency, uh, will come to be on order. Uh, and uh, speaking of earlier, what the other guest said uh, of you know blaming the prime minister directly targeting the Mahara people, I don't see an individual issue here. Let's be honest. So the request which came from the Mahara people, why I say Mahara people is the Mahara people are represented by their own government, which they have uh, uh, elected, you know, democratically and officially represented by their own government. So the federal government is giving response to the Amhara people. So it's not the prime minister only uh, being now uh, the only actor here. Is I know he's the he's the, the pioneer of the leadership, but it's the federal government which is trying uh, to work for the safety and security of the Amhara community so that the ongoing instability ends and the Amhara people uh, will come back again to live their own normal life, business as usual, being in peace, you know, uh, being in the, the well-known agriculture in, a, in other sector that the Mara committee are well-known for. So uh, we have to see a lot of ways that this country is growing. We're having uh, the greatest economy now uh, and uh, in East Africa, in a very good uh, position in Southern Africa. So let's see those positive things that, that the country is, you know, uh, is achieving. Uh, but of course, situations like this happen, but we have to admit that the government is trying to spend uh, to make sure that uh, you know the country gets uh, comes together. That's why okay. uh, law enforcement measures like the one now happening in Amhara region are needed to make sure that there is only one you know strong army, uh, federal uh, you know uh, uh, defense force that will be you know watching for the safety and security of the whole community in Ethiopia okay. instead of rebels you know uh, running here and there uh, to disturb the ongoing situations. To, so to, I would, I would, I would yeah. argue that the other way is happening. So, all right, and all right, this to, to uh, little thing is really... Yeah. Let, let's bring it to Rose. He, he wants to get in here. To what, Rose? Yeah, Adrian, as, as the only uh, Amara uh, panelist here, if I have, if I can be given an opportunity to respond to both of these uh, guests, I would really appreciate it because there's really a, a lot of false um, uh, claims that are being made here. Uh, number one, in response to this member of parliament that's here, the Amara people do not have their own representatives. They do not have their own government. In fact, the region is now under the state of emergency. The federal government is managing the Amhara region and has been since April by five federal agencies. The Amhara people have never elected their government. The source of instability in the region and in the country is Abiy Ahmed Ali and the Oromo Prosperity Party. That is very clear. We the war in the, the northern Ethiopia has never uh, uh, has never ended. 
the cessation of hostilities agreement that was signed between the TPLF and the Abbey, uh, and, and Abbey um, uh, Party uh, was a flawed process that was not ex inclusive. It was exclusionary. It did not include all the stakeholders. It, it excluded the Amhara people and the Afar people from the process. And we had said at that time, we warned that there was not going to be peace in the country unless all the stakeholders are included. The Amhara people had their uh, negotiation delegation ready to participate in the process. They were excluded. And as a result of that, we have another war started by Abiy Ahmed again in the Amhara region. What we are asking for is an inclusive process that includes all the stakeholders or else. What we are seeing right now in Amhara region will broaden to other parts of Ethiopia and possibly engulf the entire Horn of Africa. The Fanos right now have taken over and are administering majority of Gojam. They are inside the capital of the Amhara region in Bahardar, battling against the Abyss military. Many parts of Gojam are now Amina Wollo and Ashua and also Gondar are now under the Fano administration. So this is one of the largest regions in the country under Fano right now, and the fighting is continuing. And what we're asking for is for the international stakeholders to quickly come in and condemn Abiy Ahmed regime for the, um, the, for the instability in the country, in the region, and uh, to hold him and his government accountable okay. so we can move away from this regime into a civilian-led transitional government where we can have constitutional reform anchored on democracy, justice, and accountability, something okay. that has escaped Ethiopians for uh, decades. Johannes, I'll come, I'll come to you in just a second. But first, Kamal Hashi Mahamoud, do you, do you want to respond to, to what you've just heard? I don't know where this comes that, uh, that the, the idea of... Uh, uh, mentioning that the Amhara people are excluded in any in any you know governmental uh, decision making process, and the fact, uh, no, no, and also the idea of saying that the Amhara people has never elected like like we had an election you know uh, years ago where where you know in Amhara region you know even other parties have uh, contested. Of course, they have uh, had some seats in both the regional and the federal uh, parliament. But the Prosperity Party, which is leading the country, has won the majority position. And, and many uh, uh, people of Amhara ethnicities who are uh, Prosperity members have really uh, won the election, represented their people, and are leading the region, and also representing uh, their community in key positions in the federal government. So, uh, so I see it like a delusion of saying, you know, like the Amhara are not represented, they are excluded, uh, unless we are saying that the Amhara people are only elected when, you know, like opposition parties are only leading the region, and that, and I don't see that to be fair and, and, and you know, a scientific way of looking at things. So let's be honest, they have their own representative. Uh, they, are, they are led by Amhara uh, people, but of course there could be complaints. There could be things that they say the government didn't do for us, which, which could be okay with any other regions or any other countries in the world, and that could be argued. But denying the fact that there has been a free and fair election, democratic election, which has been uh, recognized by many international institutions and the whole Ethiopians as well, denying all that. I don't know where, where this argument is going. Okay. So I would, I would appreciate if my uh, other speaker at least accepts some facts and then and they build his arguments on that. But okay. coming like, you know, seriously, blindly, no election, nobody has been elected. 
uh, I don't see that's going to be fair. And okay. speaking of now, a lot of farmers who are in the region who are fighting against the federal uh, force, I think they should be advised by all leaders yeah. or influential people in the Mahara community, because through this fight, who's going to be affected is the Mahara community, which I really worry a lot about it, uh, by both forces, be it the federal uh, force, I mean the uh, the National Defense Force, okay. or the farmers, they have to think uh, through this fight, who's going to be affected the most is the Mahara community, and they have to make sure that uh, that this would be of very less casualties and discussions uh, it should really happen you soon. All right, let, let, me, let me bring in Johannes. Um, Johannes, to what extent is, is Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed an, an impossible... It's, it's okay, okay. Hang, hang on. Yeah, okay, to address very quickly. If you can give me a one-minute answer, yeah, I'd be very grateful. Just, just, just very quickly, because it's important that your audience understands. This was a fake election. The government won over 90% of the returns. 90% of the parliament is is uh, uh, is uh, seated by the um, uh, Prosperity Party. So this wasn't a fair and um, uh, a, a, a fair uh, election that was held. There was arrest and intimidation of opposition political party members in many parts of the country. The opposition political party members decided not to participate in the election because they would have been persecuted by the government. So this is okay. really um, uh, pure lies right. and, and falsehood that the m member of parliament is putting out okay. there. Okay, yeah, Johannes, was it a free and fair election? And to what extent is the prime minister in an impossible position here in, in that he'll be criticised for whatever he does or doesn't do in Amhara? The, the people of Amhara, their, their grievances may be genuine, but are their demands reasonable? I agree with the last speaker about the election. Uh, the election was completely fraudulent, and um, uh, it was very ill-timed. It was done when he—I uh, mean, it excluded the Tigrayan people completely, and uh, uh, and even internally. Uh, I mean, it's uh, when you're the only one running for a political election, you're going to win for sure, and that's what Abi did basically. And uh, uh, the the issue here is Abi came to power. Uh, kind of riding uh, on the back of the uh, rebellion by the Oromo people and to some extent by the Amhara people as well. And there was, uh, you know, uh, this hope, this uh, uh, unreasonable hope, uh, euphoria, uh, initially when he came to power. I mean, even the Europeans and the uh, Westerners gave him the Nobel Prize uh, without really understanding who the man is. This is a very dangerous man. We're seeing that in five years, uh, how dangerous situation he has created. Ethiopia is a very difficult place to govern, even for the most seasoned and sophisticated and uh, well-meaning politician. But here we have a very power-hungry person. I don't know if you've heard, but he's building a palace for himself that costs about $10 billion, even when the Ethiopian people are starving and the economic situation is unbearable. He counts on Western aid. He counts on money from the outside, from the Middle East, from all kinds of places in order to build a country. And uh, also, I mean, it's uh, with regards to the Amhara, historically, there is no dispute that they have been the privileged people in Ethiopia. I mean, okay. anybody can tell you this. Even some honest Amharas can tell you okay. this. But, but when yeah. Abiy Ahmed came to power, they expected him to be their puppet, basically. Okay. Abi is not about anybody. He's not yeah. for the Oromo. He's not for the Amhara. He's not for anybody. Abi is for himself. He want, He's intoxicated with power, and he wants to stay in power at any cost. And that's why he didn't have any problem with a million people dying, and he's acting like everything is, I mean, like he hasn't done anything. 
I mean, the international community is not holding him uh, on track again. And he is even talking about invading a neighboring country hmm. to okay. annex parts of that other country. Yeah. And this is just preposterous. Time, time, is, time is against us, gentlemen. We, we've got very little time left. So, so a brief answer from you first, Kamal, before I ask you another question here. Uh, did you, how do you respond to that, that Abiy Ahmed is a dangerous, a power-hungry, hungry, dangerous man? Uh, I would say absolutely no, and and the uh, the fact that my my other fans are only putting the idea only against the prime minister, who's a single person in the whole system of the government, is 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 baseless and reckless. Uh, we have you know very strong government led by party. I would appreciate if the argument was you know to look at the party system, how things are going, but pulling all things together against uh, uh, only the prime minister. Uh, I think it looks like as if uh, uh, some groups are, you know, back there to only insult or defame the prime minister while they see practically what's happening, all the initiatives and, and the legacy the prime minister is leaving behind in Ethiopia uh, since he has come, uh, despite that the instabilities are going in the country and all the contribution he's making to make sure this instability ends. So I only see some hatred uh, and, you know, uh, inside hatred against the prime minister I don't know. I don't know the reason why they really hate him that much. Uh, that's the only how see all, all, all the ideas coming around are only out of hatred against the prime minister. I don't even see any interest that comes out of the need or the interest for the community in Amhara region. Have they been interested with the uh, safety of the community? I would, I would believe that they would use this time to speak of uh, making sure that this war ends, making sure that this uh, situation ends very peacefully and a very low casualty for the Amhara for the Amhara community in Amhara region. Okay. And but all the arguments around are saying he's building a palace. Right. He's uh, for, he's going to rage war in the neighboring country. What's the proof? Okay. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We're we're almost out of time. But yeah, Johannes, a very, a very quick answer from you as well, if, if we can, if please. Finally, yes. Uh, okay. There were some false yeah. allegations Adrian made about right. the Amhara people by Johannes. Thirty, 30 one, seconds. Thirty seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, the Amhara people have not been privileged historically. That is. False, and that is a lie that people are pu are putting out there to justify attacks against Amaras. Uh, earlier, he has said that the Amaras were settled into Oromia by the Mangustu regime, that there was resentment, and he justified the ethnic cleansing of Amaras, yeah. which, yeah, yeah. which is, Look, and these people are innocent people. Yeah. That is really ridiculous. This you, really, you, it really it should be a statement you, you that should be condemned. Yeah. Okay. Look, you can't yeah. say lie, lie there. Okay, it, it's that 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 that's a, an opinion that at the moment I I can't I can't substantiate here. But look, we're almost out of time. Johannes, thirty seconds. It, is it's this a, conflict going to be brought under control no, no, without further conflict, bloodshed, or is it set to escalate? Just answer the question, please, as quickly the, as you can. This this this, this conflict is set is set to escalate because okay. it is yeah. a people's resistance and it's engulfed the entire region. Yeah, yeah, Johannes. May I interject? Yes, okay. The fact that the Amhara were settled in the Oromia region and that they were privileged is, uh, is, yeah, is yeah, not yeah, a yeah. dispute. Just, all right, I just mean, answer the question. Is this conflict set to escalate? Oh, uh, no, no doubt. This is a country okay. on the verge of disintegration. Yeah, this said. is not a country, uh, I mean, if it's going to be salvaged, it would yeah. be a miracle. Yeah. And, and Kamal, it, 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 can, are you confident this conflict can be brought under control? Yeah, absolutely. And the whole point of uh, this state of emergency is to be under control because rebels in the Amhara region are doing whatever they want with their own interests, and the region okay. cannot control this. 
So it came a demand, and hopefully it will okay. soon. But it needs a lot of effort, a lot of discussion, and I ask everybody to contribute this to come into control, right, even right. by other panels. This. Gentlemen, I'm afraid we're going to have to end it. Many thanks indeed for taking part in the programme today. Um, I really do appreciate it. Um, this episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Carla Legg, Abla Clark, and Jimmy Getahoon. The studio sound was by Eli Alhani. The programme was edited by Venish Velilath, Khaled Sultan, and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. Tune in again on Wednesday for our next edition. This week on The Take, it's been six months since massive earthquakes hit southeastern Turkey. How recovery efforts are taking root in the region's food heartland. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.